Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name is Adam Farmer and I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. Uh, this month it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Professor Thangam uh, Venekatsen from the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee in the USA. So Thangam, many thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast uh, this month and uh, congratulations to you on your co-authors on your really interesting paper entitled Depression, Young Age, Chronic Marijuana Use and Inter-Episodic Symptoms Predict Psychological Distress in Patients with Cyclical Vomiting Syndrome. So if I could start off and, and ask you, uh, what is Cyclical Vomiting Syndrome? Yeah, thank you Adam for having me on your podcast series uh, to discuss our paper. Um, cyclic vomiting syndrome is actually a chronic condition. It was, um, you know, of note, I saw that you were from uh, St. Bart's. It was first described by Samuel G. from St. Bart's in London in the 1800s and 14 children. Um, it was first thought to be a pediatric disease, but it's as common in adults. And essentially, it's a chronic condition that is characterized by these uh, stereotypic episodes of nausea, severe nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. Um, it can be very uh, debilitating and incapacitating. Um, and patients usually typically are normal in between episodes. So it is, it's almost like an on and off switch. Um, they're very sick. It can last from anywhere from a few hours to several days. And, um, and it's usually self-limiting. So it generally gets better whether you do anything or not in about seven or ten, seven days or so. Um, yeah, that's kind of CVS um, in a in a nutshell for you. Okay, that's uh, that's very helpful. And um, what do we know already about psychological distress in CVS? Because certainly some of the patients that um, I see in my own practice have a lot of psychological uh, distress. Yeah. So uh, that is uh, correct, um, correct, Adam. And um, you know, CVS, like other functional GI disorders. Um, is um, is associated with multiple comorbid conditions, particularly psychological disorders. Um, and so there have been uh, papers in the past which have looked at uh, anxiety and depression both in children and adults. And um, there is a high degree or high prevalence of these disorders um, in CVS. And various papers, um, you know, have slightly different results uh, based on the tools uh, they have used to measure uh, these disorders, and this can range anywhere from 15 to even 80 percent. Um, however, um, you know, we really don't know uh, about global psychological distress because uh, most of these studies have really focused on just anxiety and depression rather than, um, you know, uh, distress from a global standpoint. So that's uh, really interesting. So, but on to your study now. What was your hypothesis as you embarked on your, uh, on your work? Yeah, so um, having seen so many uh, patients with uh, CVS, we hypothesized, obviously, that uh, these patients have very high degrees of psychological uh, distress. Um, and uh, we also had some preliminary data suggesting that perhaps uh, marijuana use, which is very prevalent um, in these patients, may be linked to this. 
Um, and so we essentially kind of hypothesized that one, psychological distress is highly prevalent in CVS, and two, uh, we also hypothesized that there may be certain factors, um, you know, particularly comorbid uh, conditions like anxiety or depression, marijuana use, and maybe even healthcare utilization um, uh, to be associated with psychological distress in CVS. So what was your patient population and what methods did you use in your study? Uh, our patient population predominantly consisted of uh, all adults uh, with cyclic vomiting syndrome who presented uh, to our clinic. We excluded those, obviously, with other comorbid uh, conditions, um, you know, like systemic disorders, uh, like uh, inflammatory bowel disease or malignancy, um, and obviously pregnancy, which would, I think, um, kind of, um, you know, interfere with our study. Um, and uh, we also studied mostly patients who were seen for the first time in our clinic, um, though they had seen multiple other gastroenterologists in the past, though we did have some established patients as well. So what were your uh, key results to come out from your study? Yeah, so our, um, you know, this is again a cross-sectional uh, study of uh, patients, adults with cyclic vomiting syndrome, and we found that approximately 40% uh, or 41% of patients had high degrees of psychological distress. And uh, we also found that uh, among the various domains that we measured with uh, this instrument called the basic symptom inventory, um, somatization was the most severe symptom domain. Uh, we also found that, interestingly, independent predictors of psychological distress uh, were a history of depression um, and uh, young adults aged 25 to 35 chronic marijuana use, and the presence of what we call inter-episodic GI symptoms or dyspepsia um, predicted psychological distress in these patients. So those were um, the main findings of our study. So um, the Rome uh, 4 criteria now has uh, differentiated uh, cyclic vomiting from cannabinoid-induced hyperemesis. How do you think that, uh, do you think that um, uh, change in definition is, is, is useful and how do you regard those two diagnoses? Yeah, I probably could talk for an hour just on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Uh, but, um, you know, again, as you know, the Rome criteria came out um, with uh, diagnostic criteria for cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome or CHS. Um, you know, one of the concerns I have, I think first to answer your question, we really need to know or understand if CHS is a true entity or not. Um, and I would say that uh, there is insufficient data at this point to say that CHS is a real disorder. We don't know that for sure. Uh, because while there have been many case studies and case series, and the largest of this was the Simonento study where they looked at 98 patients, um, while they found that there was a statistical association, um, you know, of chronic cannabis use, with CVS, I don't believe that, that there was causation. None of these series, case series, actually proved causation. Um, and another limitation of all these studies that led to this um, hypothesis that CHS is an entity um, is that there was a lack of follow-up in all these studies. So most of these patients were not followed up, uh, which means that um, you really cannot ascribe causation. Um, and so I think, one, we need to separate that out. Is it a true, um, you know, entity? Uh, is CHS a true entity or not? Um, you know, personally, based on, the, uh, based on the literature, all we can say is perhaps it's, um, it's a subset of CVS. And, and two, 
um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, patients are using marijuana and, and we have studies looking at that where they mostly use, use it as an angiolytic agent. So I think we're, you know, probably it may be a little premature to say that CHS is a separate entity. Again, I, I realize that this is a controversial topic, but um, I think based on the data, we have a lot of questions that remain unanswered as to whether CHS is a true entity or not. No, I, I would entirely uh, agree with that point. Um, what were the limitations of your study? Yeah, um, so obviously our study did have some limitations. Uh, one of the things is I do have a tertiary referral center, so most patients have already seen multiple um, gastroenterologists without a diagnosis. So, um, you know, one, there is definitely a tertiary uh, referral um, bias. You know, these are the very patients we really need to be worried about because they are high healthcare seekers, um, and, um, you know, for multiple other reasons, they have severe disease and so on. Uh, so that's one uh, limitation. And two, um, you know, I, I want to be cautious, even though we predicted psychological distress with these four factors, um, again, we need to be very careful to ascribe causation. So we really don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg. So is psychological distress um, you know, it's probably it's just associated with CVS. So whether it's a cause or effect, we don't know yet. Um, and three, there's a very complex, I think, uh, relationship between um, cannabis or marijuana use and CVS. And so those are things I think we we really um, need to understand better. But I think our study probably sets up the stage for that. So, what do you think the potential implications in the in the here and now uh, of your results for for patient management? Yeah, so I think um, you know one of the um, one of the take home points, at least for very busy clinicians who are uh, seeing patients, and perhaps CBS is not an area of expertise for them, is to quickly identify high risk groups. For instance, um, you know we had these four factors that predicted psychological distress, and um, using a you know a logistic regression modeling. Um, we actually ascribe points to them. And so um, if any of these factors are present, I think it should alert the clinician that there is a high degree of distress and that perhaps these high-risk groups should at least be referred to psychological counseling or you know, treatment um, as indicated. So I think that is one of the important take-home messages. Obviously, it was a study, and we used an instrument called the BSI, um, which, one, costs money, and two, takes time. Uh, but I think using our um, modeling system or using this what we call the DAME score, I think it would be um, helpful to identify these high-risk, uh, you know, patients with CVS. And, uh, you know, another interesting point is that we looked at healthcare utilization, and we found that healthcare utilization or high healthcare utilization was actually not associated with psychological distress, you know, which was interesting. And it has been shown in other studies. So I think, um, you know, um, psychological distress may be driven by extraintestinal factors like we've seen in other functional GI disorders. And so I think it really, um, you know, underscores uh, the need for a biopsychosocial model where we incorporate, uh, you know, psychological counseling and mental health services. So I think that would be the take-home point um, of my paper. So what do you think are the uh, key knowledge gaps that we need to look at now in, in this area? Uh, yeah. Um, so I think, um, you know, we do have uh, several um, knowledge gaps uh, because, one, I think as far as psychological distress and uh, psychological comorbidity, 
Um, now, we have identified and we know that these patients have these comorbid factors. Another important thing that we noted, like I said previously, was the, um, you know, the chronic cannabis use and how it's associated with psychological comorbidity. Um, so it may be very possible that, um, you know, the underlying psychological distress is driving patients to use cannabis instead of the other way around. And I think some of these complex relationships need to be, um, need to be sorted out. So I think that would be sort of the next step um, in taking this a little further. So with that, I'd uh, like to thank you and your co-authors for a really in excellent paper, which was very interesting indeed, and also for assisting in this month's uh, podcast and also to our listeners for tuning in. And I look forward to welcoming you again on another instalment of the podcast uh, next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.